Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Mac. And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, the Great British Bake Off. And after we've said our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from today's episode. This week we'll be talking about Season 5, Episode 8. That's right, it's Advanced Dough Week. Advanced. So this isn't your mama's dough. Actually, it might be, depending on your mom. I was like, this is the dough you make in the robes that have the three panels on the side, and you get the soft cap when you're up on stage (laughs) at college. (laughs) You've graduated from dough school. (laughs) Did you you have graduated from dough school, do you think? Oh, I mean, you know how, like, sometimes they push, you know, somebody who's good at other things out and they just, like, kind of give you, like, a pass? Like, yeah. Like, you should take this class pass-fail. Ooh, um, yeah. Yeah, so technically you've done it, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. I don't know that they would deny me my degree, but... <laughs> you wouldn't put me on the brochure. Yeah, I definitely screwed up pretty good on this one, so that ought to be fun to talk about it it was more just being stupid than necessarily messing up the food well let's get into it so this is one of the random weeks that they don't always have and i think that this is a take on that maybe some of the earlier like bread and pastry weeks were maybe a little bit on the easier side this time yeah it was more about creativity and this one's more about technical skill right I, i think very much so and so For the signature bake, they had to make sweet fruit loaves in a free form, which means no pan, out of an enriched dough, and they had two and a half hours in which to make it. Okay, so this is a bitch. Like, they did really well, but this is a bitch of a challenge. And I actually did this challenge, and I screwed up. Because I didn't watch the show first. I did the challenge first and watched the show uh, this morning, and I totally missed the fact that it has to be free form. So, yeah, it wasn't until like, I don't know that they explained that very well up top. And then it was just as people were making theirs that we realized, oh, it's just kind of a lump. Yeah. And it's, they have this laundry list of qualities to this first bake. And it was actually kind of hard for me to find a recipe. And it would have been even harder if I had realized it has to be freeform. I think that most of them probably improvised their recipe or sort of came up with it. And to hear them talk, it does sound that way. Right. It's all riffs on different things or it's going to come together in in various kinds of ways. And so... So it's actually pretty creative and technically difficult. Right. And I think that there, you know, some people went more classic. Like, I think that Richard's actually ended up looking very elegant. Yes. And uh, whereas, you know, Luis's was equally impressive, but very whimsical and and full of uh, design. As usual. Right. Yes. I was doing some looking on... Amazon. And I'm so inspired by Richard's, not, excuse me, not Richard, well, Richard too, but uh, by Luis's presentation. And that's not one of my gifts. If you tell me to make a loaf of bread, I'm going to make you a loaf of bread that looks like every other loaf of bread. That I looked up and most of these contestants have cookbooks now. In fact, there's an article on Book Riot that says, and the number's probably changed by now, but 74 cookbooks that have been written by Bake Off contestants. Damn. 74. I think I think they might be comp- con- including some of Mary Berry's, though. So, okay. well, she's not a contestant, but people on Bake Off. And Paul Hollywood has quite a few as well. But I own Chetna's. I know Martha's done at least two louise did a book and richard did a book i know that nancy does a lot of like going around giving demos and things like that right she was she has a pretty active instagram account too she does a lot of short videos tips that kind of thing but she didn't decide to do the book it's kind of tempting to go ahead and buy louise's because he has just like chetna has flavors i would never think of louise has presentation i would never think of so i might go ahead and jump on that i think it'd be they're super cheap if you buy them used so i think i might spend the five to seven dollars and see what's in there there's another cookbook that i've been reading recently that has really elegant ways of decorating and it actually gives excellent instructions on how to do it oh, that's a big deal it's called bakeland nordic treats inspired by nature by marit hovland oh fun and she's you know a amateur baker you know she doesn't consider herself like a highfalutin or anything but i i thought that her instructions were really great and so i think that i'm gonna use some of her ideas for decorating and keeping things together maybe in some of the stuff i make in the future i am 
all about the Nordic trend. I mean, I know it's trendy. I know I'm not original for being into it, but man, oh man, give me all your, how do you say the word? You say, you see it on a book. It's like H-Y-G-G-E. And then I actually listen to the little book of Huga on an audio book <laughs> or about half of it. And every time they go, Huga. Like, every time? It, yeah. It's like, Huga. <laughs> like I've been saying Hija or Hyga, like I've done every mispronunciation possible because the pronunciation just doesn't make any sense to an English speaker. So it does make me feel better in a you way. You sound like you're like half choking on a piece of apple. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of some of the fruit in here, what did you, what do you think of a plum icing? It was pretty. <laughs> How do you think a plum icing is going to taste? I mean. Do you like plums? I do like plums. Uh, it's one of those things that I didn't get until I started shopping farmer's markets in Alabama where fruit is fresh and actually matures the way it's supposed to. I've had some of the best plums, peaches, and tomatoes here that I've ever had in my life. But I will say grocery store plums I've never had a good experience with. They're like little hard balls of unexciting I, yeah i there was a lot of plum being used this week and i mean i know that they have a lot of fruit so it's a lot of plum a lot of dates uh and i guess that that's stuff because it's not very moist so it's not going to ruin your bread as much like in mine i use raisins and craisins and i i felt like it was cheaty but i really did have a hard time finding a recipe so i um and i noticed that they did a lot of like cooking down to jam so cooking a lot of the water out of what they were doing and yeah i reconstituted my dried fruit a little bit by soaking it in in hot pineapple juice in hopes that that would maybe be a little bit more playing by the rules but Anywho, I'm jumping way ahead. Sorry. No worries. But one thing they talk about that I, I felt sorry for them for. So in addition to using this wet fruit, they're using an enriched dough, which slows down yeast. And right. like it just sort of coats it and sits on top of it. I imagine it's sort of like yeast lotion. Like it can't grow because it's sort of weighed down. And it needs a slower proof, but they only have two and a half hours. Right. I, I thought that this was especially low amount of time yeah. for a challenge like this when things need to prove you know potentially more than once I, you know two and a half hours is not an especially long amount of time to budget for a normal bread i take more than that generally and like you said i think that they overall the results were pretty good i i actually thought that martha's would have looked a little more elegant had she not added the pink icing on top it was a little silly or if she had done the icing in a spiral rather than a crisscross yeah it, there was just something a little amateurish about it for lack like of dirty. a better word mm -hmm. you know overall they all looked good i kind of wanted to try all of them oh yeah definitely particularly richard's yes yeah his looked like something actually while i was watching i was like i want a danish because that's <laughs> get, what you can buy from the grocery store in a ring i get excited about pretty much all shaping i'm goofy for shaping if you give me a bread in a fancy shape i assume that it's good whether it is or not at one point sue spritzes oil in her mouth and acts <laughs> like she's dying and i thought it was pretty funny she's like i thought it was vinegar and it clearly didn't look at all like vinegar and so i didn't know what she was doing oh she thought it was wine oh she thought it was wine the okay. marsala yeah so she thought it, she was gonna get like a little sweet dessert wine and instead it was just like olive oil so um another moment i really liked is when super nancy defied the odds and used the microwave to prove her bread and mm -hmm. they said it couldn't be done but she used a really low power to amp up her yeast working and so she got the effects of a longer proof than the other contestants by just speeding it up with a machine and she actually used the microwave twice with arguably good results both times right and she was kind of a rebel this whole time because i saw that she was cutting a lot of her fruit in the air Ooh. and i was like i would just i would cut my fingers off if i tried to do that there's that that grandma cut you know what i'm talking yeah, about where and it's that's exactly like what she was doing with her thumb like and meanwhile i've got like holes and divots all over like scars all over my hands on both hands because i should not be trusted with sharp objects but yeah she has the grandma cut down did i ever tell you about the time i got taken to urgent care when i minced no? a part of my finger off while doing garlic jesus oh, so no. i had to go to urgent care and the guy decided because it was on the tip of my finger that he couldn't put a suture there what? so they what do they call it when they use heat cauterized yeah they cauterized it ow 
did you get did you get a shot beforehand? Yeah, yeah. They did some like pain, so I couldn't really feel it. Okay. But so I'm like staring at the doctor and looking in his eyes, but I can see this sizzle of smoke off in my peripheral I was gonna vision. Ask, could you smell it? Somebody walking down the hallway went, "Are we barbecuing?" <gasps> no. Oh I, gosh. It was wonderful. Got that porky flavor. <laughs> oh my god. That's that's impressive. You win. Are we barbecuing? <laughs> Did wait? Did that person realize that that was what was being done? They were walking back from the front, like I was behind, like a little like panel of cloth or something like that, with the doctor. And somebody walked by. It's like it smells like barbecue back here. So they did not see what was happening and no. make the joke. They, no. Oh my gosh. They were talking to a nurse in another part of the room, and delicious. it was just like, oh no, your long pig. Congratulations. Everybody's getting their cutlery ready. Right. Martha unfortunately says the word Chinesey. Mm, that made me wince a little too. Yeah, we can just scoot right by that. And uh, Richard has a sheriff's badge because he's the star baker. Yeehaw. I thought that that was a thing. Like, has that not been there all along? I don't remember. This is the first time I remember seeing it. Okay. But maybe it has been there longer. Okay. I thought that that was like, he's the, it's the star. But it might have been like some cute thing his kids did. Right. But, I don't, like, I, yeah, his kids are maybe another contestant or something like mm-hmm. that. So anything else to say about the signature bake? Martha commented that enriched dough always looks like it's cooked, even when it's not. And I have experienced that. And that made me wonder, they do a lot of knocking and like examining brownness on their loaves. Why don't they just use a thermometer? Luis does. And that's, I think that that sort of more scientific approach to cooking has really only taken off in the last couple of years widespread okay you know i mean and that's because you know you're such a a cook's country fan right they've been doing that forever there you know it's a lot of people that have come out of that tradition they now have their own brands and so they take that science with them where they go like you know the series each with kenji lopez alt and yes and i love it like to me it's just this sort of because i wasn't taught to cook by someone who i feel like i never quite get the hang of when it looks right I don't have enough experience and practice for that. So I can stick a thermometer in it and say, for example, the bread I made this week, it said to let the, um, while the dough was proving, because it proved in the refrigerator, I took it out and it said, well, when it hits 64 degrees, it ought to be good. And it was so much better than, oh, when it looks right or when it's doubled, it was like, oh, well, here's a number where you know that it's right. Ina Garten's recipe for lime curd says when it hits 165 degrees, the texture is going to change and you need to immediately remove it from heat. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, And it helps if you ever need to hand this off to somebody else to take a look at or to watch over because you need to go do something. Real instructions are better than you'll just know. Yeah, because I won't. When it's brown. (laughs) I never will know. Yeah, when it's brown. What shade of brown? Right. (laughs) When it's tan, the color of a doe's belly. Like, no, that's not. (laughs) Please stop. Like... (laughs) But do you have anything else to add? I don't. With the technical, Chetna really lucked out because they did the exact same bread that she had modeled hers after in the signature. And that's a Croatian povitica. Once again, having two and a half hours to get that done. Povitisa. I said it wrong. I spelled, I said it like I spelled it. <laughs> povitisa. <laughs> Oy, I sound like one of the contestants. Like Kuganaman? The Kuga, Kuga. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's a Povitisa or, no wait, or a Povitica, depending on where you're from. I being yep. from South Georgia, I call it a Povitica. Yeah, we've got another uh, hard to pronounce uh, technical coming up next week. So. Lord help us. But, so this was, I mean, you know, my my tasteless past coming out. This looked like a bread made out of pecan p- pinwheels. Mm, well, we which I would way. eat the shit out of. Yeah. <laughs> all day long yeah that it looked pretty good to me too like they said it's kind of a surprise bread which is exciting because it doesn't look like much on the outside it just kind of looks like a loaf but once you cut it open there are meant to be beautiful spirals inside of a soft almost pastry like dough in fact they say that it's like a cross between a pastry and a bread and they've blurred that line quite a bit, I would say. There there have been several pastry-like breads along and along. Favorite parts of the technical were Richard copying Nancy. Yeah. Like, hardcore, just like, whatever, this is how I got through school, this is how I'll get through again. And Nancy not caring at all, like, just being like, well, who wouldn't? I, right. I do know what I'm doing, generally. I also 
thought that although I would love to eat this, I think making it would make me want to scream. Right. It reminded me a lot of when they make, I think in a future episode, when they make strudel. Okay. Which also has this very large sheet of very thin pastry that's hard to work with because it's so big. Mm, um, I thought that time. I thought that their solutions to spreading this paste on there were pretty ingenious between the cling wrap or heating it up or piping it. I, I think that you know that those were all pretty decent solutions and all things to kind of keep in the back of your mind the next time you need to spread something thick on something fragile. Something annoying. Yes. Yeah. I, I loved how excited Chetna was. You know, she was just <laughs> thrilled. And then, you know, Richard just once again being, I don't know, the, the builder in all of us, you know, pulls us out of the oven. He's like, I'm over the moon with this. This is the best one I've ever made. Aww. The best one <laughs> I've ever made. Oh, wait, it took me a second to catch up with that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that now. Like, yeah, yeah, it's delightful. Lovely. Like, you don't know what the hell it is, but we're doing our best, aren't we? Right. I, I'm surprised that, you know, people were watching... Nancy and nobody kept a bigger eye on Chetna. Now it seemed like she was being pretty low key. Yeah. Oh, for you know, sure. She, she, she wasn't, wasn't giving bro- any secrets away. No, she wasn't broadcasting at all. But three of the five were raw. Yeah. Because it needed a long, it needed baking more than it needed proving. Right. And I, you know, I don't think that, you know, outside of Chetna, nobody really had that built in for them. And so that was just something that fell apart. I thought that once they were rolled up and put in the tins, they looked disgusting. Correct. Yes, somebody said it looked a bit like a verst, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty. That's a that's a yeah. Bread. I was like, this looks like a poop snake. <laughs> um. <laughs> yep, that's fair. That's fair and accurate. Poop snake. <laughs> Just gross. Was not a fan. No. So you know, so they got through it. Chetna was top of the technical as well. She should have been. Yes. Nancy, for all her problems, actually came in the middle of the pack, and poor Martha was dead last because hers was just dough. And she even says, I'm going to have to do quite well in the last challenge to keep going. So she's a little bit of a Kate here in that she knows going in that the odds are kind of stacked against her. So she's a little more prepared, I think, for the possibility of being cut than a lot of the other contestants have been. Well, and and I also think on some level, I don't think Martha expected to ever get this far especially with all that she's got going on right oh my gosh and so she's starting to look around and she's like oh everybody here is fantastic you know she's like i can maybe beat them but if i didn't i don't think i'd be shocked right yeah so it's like when i don't know if i were to go to like a math competition or something it's like wow i'm just really happy to be here nice to see you guys i don't know how the hell you picked me for this team that said I I continue to marvel at her age and, of course, the the lack of experience that she... I mean, she can't help but have less experience than everyone else there. Right. And And, I think that she's performed very well. Jeez Louise, yes. And has shown such coolness under pressure. Like, even now, I think I would have cried like a hundred times over during this competition. Like... I mean, like you said, remember back in that first episode where you dropped an egg and went, and (laughs) because it's just such a difficult, panicky thing. And uh, like Martha's just cool as a flipping cucumber. And if something goes wrong, she's like, well, say la vie. And that was definitely not me. It's not me now. And it definitely wasn't me at the age of 17. All right. So... Anything else to say about the technical challenge? Not really. Okay. So the showstopper this week was 36 donuts in two varieties. They had to be donuts of some stripe. (laughs) (laughs) For how many rules there were on the first one, there were actually not a lot of requirements as to what these donuts had to be. 36 donuts. Go. Pretty much. Yep. My only problem with this challenge, which I love a donut, mm-hmm. is we just did eclairs. Oh, that does seem very similar. But I will say the dough creation is different. Yes, the the dough is different. The cooking process is different. But I was just thinking a lot of the, the flavor profiles that you can do with a donut, you can kind of also do with an eclair. Especially if you're filling your donut like most of them or all of them did. Filling pastry topping. 
is right. generally how it goes. Um, but I guess that could be said of a lot of things. Like, I mean, isn't that the case with most cakes? I suppose that's true. All right. It, they do feel similar, though. I think partly because you go to your hometown bakery and they have donuts and eclairs and they're basically in the same case side by side because they are similar. And, um, oh, and thumbprint cookies. Love a thumbprint. <laughs> there is the best bakery here. Um, it's, I, I have no idea how you're supposed to, Shashies? And they have pecans in literally every baked good they make. It's like a signature, and I had always thought that thumbprint cookies taste like Play-Doh, but I had one there, and it was amazing. Just this crumbly pecan shortbread, and oh, it was so good. I, I've actually got to make a, a take on a thumbprint cookie uh, for Purim, uh, for a Purim party we're having in a few weeks, so I've got to make some hamantashim. <gasps> oh, that's fun. I've heard good things. Uh, you'll have to tell me if it's worth my time. Yeah, absolutely. I totally will. So, uh, but these bakers were taking on donuts. Are you, all right, so what is your perfect donut? What's your order when you go out? Okay, um, I go for the cake donut with stuff in it. So, or stuff in or on it. So I really love the toasted coconut donut, and I really love the blueberry cake donut. After that, and my childhood favorite was the chocolate yeasted. Okay. And no see, filling. I'm not a filling girl. I don't like that, the way it squishes out into my mouth. <laughs> so I've grown to like fillings as an adult, but I, I used to not like them at all. But my my go-to classic is I want a yeasted donut that has been glazed with chocolate on top. Yes. That's so what I not, mean. not just the chocolate top, but has the glaze on it as well. Okay. Um, I get that. But I mean, I, I love a blueberry donut. A sour cream donut has a, a special place in my heart. Mm. So, um, my husband, who's unkind, uh, so my husband drinks a lot of beer, like that is his vice. Um, I've seen him drunk like twice in our marriage, but he can put it away, and so he can't really afford to add a lot of other high calorie snacks. So, don't <laughs> think he's virtuous because he's not. Um, but he refers to donuts as fat pills and won't eat them because. And it's not because he's making fun of me necessarily, I hope. I think it's more just that he's like, well, I can't do that. And also the extra, you know, 6,000 or whatever calories I eat a day. I was like, I, the fact that somebody might bring in donuts is one of the best reasons to work in an office with other people. Or to go to church. Exactly. Either that or, you know. Oh, apparently there's this woman at Dale's Torah study who brings challah every week, and Ooh. she brought an Oreo challah a few what? weeks ago, and I was like, that sounds delicious. Stop. God. Yeah. She's everybody's favorite person. <laughs> so, I thought there were a couple of interesting things about the way that the contestants approach this challenge. First off, Martha keeps saying a laminated croissant donut, and I was like, like a cronut? <laughs> Why are yeah. we not just calling it a cronut? That's what that is. A cronut. Was that pre-cronut? Can't be. No? Right. No, because that was only like, that was probably like height of cronut fame, actually. Oh, yeah. Good point. Because I made cronuts when I was still living in Tifton. I wonder so, I mean, that's been five or six years maybe? ago now. That's all I can think is maybe there's a reason not to say it on television, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, can I get a facial tissue, please? <laughs> I'm trying to think of another equivalent. Uh... Can you make a copy of this on that copy machine? <laughs> Could I get a an adhesive bandage for my finger? Adhesive bandage? Yeah, that does sound pretty likely. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Oh, goodness. So... She could not refer to it as a cronut. I thought that everybody, maybe it's just a sign that I like donuts because everybody sounded delicious from her lemon poppy seed, like layered laminated donut. Good God, that is a mouthful. Uh, hmm. Literally and figuratively. And then, uh, let's see what else. Uh, Chetna, it didn't end up turning out very well, but I thought the idea of a dark chocolate mousse was appealing, even though I don't tend to like a filled donut. The uh, toffee apple donuts from Richard sounded good. I thought that Nancy's adult child split was really, really cute. Um, and like just a good idea, like to have children's flavors 
or a, a more child-friendly flavor and then more of a boozy flavor for an adult i thought was sweet yeah i i think that they were all pretty good the only one that and it was just a personal case uh i the faces on nancy's children's ones freaked me out <laughs> and i didn't like them <laughs> and it's just because I didn't like the faces, but I could tell that they were cute and for kids, totally fine. Yes. But they were weird. (laughs) (laughs) I did appreciate that the sparring between Nancy and Paul continued Mm -hmm. in a way that didn't feel aggressive or unkind. It was just sort of like, haha, just one of our little jokes. To me, it almost came across as like that, like weird schoolyard schoolyard flirting where you, you know, pull the pigtails of the girl you like. Yeah, I kind of like that, actually. That's sort of a good... I mean, that's cute. I was like, I don't know what the gay version of that is. Like, you slap their ass especially hard in the locker room. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit sexier than pigtail pulling, honestly. It's all the nudity going on. I had a... Okay, this is off topic. I had a question about the gays recently, and now I can't remember what it was. And I'm sad, because it was a good one, and... Uh, Ryan also periodically has questions about the gays, and I always want to forward them to you, but I don't want you to be a friend. Explain how this works. And so, um, donuts. (laughs) Yeah, donuts. This this judging once again had me wanting to be Nancy Mm. in my life, Mm. where Paul goes. You know, some of them are a bit uneven and over, and she goes, "They look okay for me." I reject your premise. Right. Like, and he goes, would you admit if they weren't? And she just kind of smiles. And I was like, oh, what a badass. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hell of a woman. But I, I mean, I think that they overall did good. I appreciated that Chetna did not use the deep fat fryer again. Yes. She's you know, like, she made she made hers in a pan. She's like, this is what I know. This is how I've always done it. And I don't use stuff I don't understand, which is what we kind of guessed last time. Yes. And turned out to be absolutely the reason why she didn't use it. Yep. I'm like, why would I know? <laughs> why would I mess with that? You know, and she got great results. I, I actually think she, I might have given Starbaker to her. Mm, yeah, she did okay in the beginning. And then, well, she, uh, I think I think what probably knocked her, not because it was bad, but just because it wasn't as good, was her signature. Yeah, I guess. I, because it got I, sort of like a meh. I don't know. She tried, you know, I, I was just interested. And I guess her mousse wasn't a mousse. It was more of a ganache, as they said. But Yeah, it, it didn't get the squish that it was, I think, probably supposed to. Is there anything else out of the showstopper that you wanted to talk about? Mm, I didn't love having all the skewers and straws with Louisa's. No, that it was gilding the lily too much. And did we ever find out what was actually in those straws? I thought it was Bailey's. Okay, I just, I mean, I knew it was booze because of the way they were acting, but... Yeah, that was that was silly, and of course Mary liked it, but the overall response was that, meh, it was okay. And I thought it was, like, a lot, you know, to pick, stick every one of them inside a cocktail glass, and, and, you know, four raspberries and a sprig of mint, and it was it was a lot. Yeah, not not my favorite of his. And I do love his presentation, like, I mean, I was talking earlier about wanting to buy the book just to see if there's more... Sort of like, here's how to make this amazing presentation achievable. But eh, that one, yeah, felt felt a bit silly. Felt uh, kind of like a bachelorette party. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I was, if those straws had been penis shaped, absolutely. Nailed it. Yeah. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Like bachelorette party donuts. That sounds really cute with a little penis straw in it filled with liquor. I was like filled with cream. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, well, I think that about covers it for me for the technical. Richard got Starbaker, and sadly, Martha had to head home. Yeah. And, I mean, Richard had a pretty, you know, outside of the, his technical being inedible, he had a pretty good week. And so I can definitely see where it comes from. But, you know, nobody wants to root for a front runner. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so. And- I, when I saw this series for the first time, thought for sure that Richard was going to win. And I think it was around this episode where I was like, oh, Richard's going to win, no question. And I, the last time I watched it through, I think it was just on, you know, while I was watching for an earlier episode and Dale just kind of let it run. But when it got to the last one, I, I really remember sitting down and watching it and being like, do I feel like that they edited Richard away from a win? 
and mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about when we get there. But I I actually think what happened was supposed to happen. But yeah, so I thought this was a a good episode this week. A a very technically and creatively challenging week, definitely uh, for them. And I think that it was a a good challenge for this level of the competition. And this was all stuff that you could realistically see an advanced baker making for sure you know it wasn't insane for its own sake but it was challenging all of them yeah yeah it was a good episode all right Mm -hmm. so we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we are going to talk about our recreations of this week's bakes All right, welcome back. So now we are going to talk about how how and what we recreated this week. For the first time, I, or no, I guess it isn't the first time, I took on the showstopper again this week. Yeah, twice in a row. Well, I love a donut. Over, yeah, yeah. That and so I wanted to see if I could actually make my own or if this was going to be something that wasn't going to prove to be very practical. Yeah, the practical thing kind of sums up what I was thinking. Like, is it worth it to make it? Or is it something you'd rather leave to, you know, your local donut shop? So just to kind of, you know, put the end at the beginning, it's not terribly difficult to do. A lot of it comes into what sort of fillings you want to do and all of that. Uh, If you've made any sort of pastry, uh, then you can probably make a donut. The problem with the donut is it has no shelf life. Uh, Yeah, and it's fried. So you end up with a grease biscuit in like... What, an hour, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it stays pretty light. The thing is, it just starts to get stale. Okay. It's, it's very airy, and so there's mm-hmm. a lot of air that can get in there. Or if you put a filling in there, it starts getting soggy. Right, that makes and sense. And so they're usually good for about a day. And then, but, you know, if you made 36 like they did on the show, that's a lot for any regular person to just try to do. And it's funny because... Places or or groups of people I've heard about who do donuts are often, they're doing them for some sort of a fundraiser. It's a big church event and everybody gets together. It's meant to be done in these huge batches, probably because the frying is so difficult or is so... So it's actually not the frying that's difficult. So we can kind of jump in and talk through the recipe. So I use, I got most of everything that I used this week from Lara Ferroni's cookbook that came out last year called Donuts. Mm. Yeah, an all-one-topic book is kind of a double-edged sword. Sometimes they can be really great, but if they kind of don't have the fundamentals right, then the whole thing can really fall off the end. Absolutely. So if she's got a great basic donut, then it's got also tons of different fun things you can do with that basic recipe. Right. And she actually has like... 10 basic recipes nice she's got like a basic yeasted which you can either do in ring or filled format she's got baked versions she's got gluten-free versions she's got crullers she's got cake donuts well one would argue that if you're going to do a one topic cookbook then it should be pretty encyclopedic like you've narrowed so you've what's the phrase uh you've gone narrow so you can go deep Right. Or, right. And I feel like that this does this pretty successfully. And so because I because she had gone deep, I actually used two different base recipes. I used her basic raised, which is your traditional thinking about a donut kind of donut recipe. But we've talked a bit in the past about how neither one of us are big fryers. No. And so I wanted to take a look at her baked recipe and see if that worked. Can it be good? Can it be good enough to compare? Right. I was like, you know, I'm sure as with any sort of compromise with a a baking classic, it will not be as good. But is it, could it be good in its own right? So was it a cool, so it was also a cool experiment because you were doing what they asked for on the show, but also doing something kind of unusual with it. Do you think that Paul and Mary would have dinged you for not frying? Absolutely. I think so too. Uh, They definitely would have dinged me, and you'll hear why, because I just didn't carry out a major part of the challenge. So you know what? You do you. It wasn't until I made these donuts, because I've seen this episode probably four or five times, but I never really put it together. It has just never occurred to me in the past that donuts are yeasted. Oh, yeah. With all of the stuff that comes with that, that you have to combine yeast in a certain way, and that it will grow with time, 
and that it needs to prove and Ooh. that it has a certain like proving level that it needs to get to. I know. And I call, did you not call them yeast donuts? No, I did. Yeah. Okay. It, it, well, like, it wasn't until I started prepping to get ready for this. Like, oh, that's, yeah, yeast. Huh, funny. But basically, I mean, it's pretty much like any other thing that you're going to make as far as a dough goes. It's got sugar and milk and eggs and butter and flour, a little bit of salt, and you're going to combine that with some yeast. And then you're going to mix that all together until it comes together. You can use a mixer and do it pretty slow with like a paddle attachment or a dough hook. And it's going to come together and it's a really pleasant dough because it's springy. It doesn't, it, it, uh, it's not incredibly sticky or anything like that. And so it's, it's really nice. And for the basic raised kind of variety, which is what most people are going to be working with, you can let it prove anywhere from a couple of hours to a full day. Perfect. Because I found my favorite prove is overnight. Right. And so what they tell you to do is just stick it in the fridge for up to 24 hours and you can pull it out at any time. And then you take it, you roll it out, and then you need to cut it into whatever shapes you want. Oh, did you do something fun? I just used basic rings because so I did one my my fried one was a filled donut and my ring one was a was the baked so I tried two different kind two different shapes on those okay and when you're rolling it out you actually want to roll it out to a pretty thin thinner than you might think like maybe a third of an inch because it's gonna puff yes okay uh, and the dough's pretty springy so you kind of have to fight with it a little bit to get it to spread out like you want to Ooh. but there's no worry in bapping it all back together and rolling it out again to make more no that's true or when you when you let them prove again once they're in shape then they're going to start growing and growing and growing again and i actually did that in an oven that was like on like 180 degrees and that i just turned off so i had like a a warm place to do it because it was a pretty miserable wet day when I was trying to make these. <laughs> yeah, I've been having some of that issue myself. But I and I actually you I didn't have a, a donut uh, cutter, so I actually just used cookie cutters for that. I used oh, a nice. three inch cookie cutter and a half inch to do the hole because I like more donut than hole. And so <laughs> that sounds naughty somehow. I don't know how, but you know, I'm sure you heard it too. It's just the word whole life. Yeah, something about holes. Mm. Yeah, mm, yeah, not appetizing. Once they've proved again, uh, while they're proving, you can bring your oil up to temperature. And you want to get it to about 350, 375 degrees. And the challenge with frying anything is that you need the oil to stay a pretty consistent temperature. Right. And so, to me, the only way to go about doing any sort of frying where that's important is to have... A quick read thermometer. It, presumably, if you had a deep fryer, then it has a thermometer built into it. But right, but you don't want to do that. Well, and I just stole the tactic that Chetna used. I used my my deep skillet, and mm-hmm. I put about an inch and a half or two inches of oil in there, and used that because I could get in there easier. I could control the temperature of the oil a little bit better, and I didn't have to buy so much of it. I'm curious who. Um makes your go-to skillet for frying so the skillet that i was using for this is an all clad okay i love all clad uh if i were going to do any other kind i would do um and i have fried successfully in cast iron because it holds a temperature really well so it doesn't tend to fluctuate as much yes and i have a big cast iron dutch oven that too much that i typically use for frying but that's when i'm doing big batches of stuff like fries or things right and i just i thought that it was going to be too much and also because it's so deep i worried about being able to flip the donuts without harming the shape yes that makes sense Especially if you don't want to like fill it to the top. And so, uh, so I they went in, and you know, it's pretty much just like the label says. It's like two minutes on each side. Flip them over. They they want to flip because they're nice and crispy on one side. As soon as they are done, you want to stick them on a rack so that they can cool and just let anything drip off of them. And you just kind of work in an assembly line to get everything there. The dough is pr- will fall apart in your hands a little bit. Because, or it'll, it'll keep stretching and changing shapes because it's pretty oh, elastic. okay. So you've got to like be really careful with your skimmer or whatever you use to get them in and out. Or, or just to get them in in the first place to get them like off your cookie sheet and into 
the fryer. Did you use a spatula? I did. I used a big, uh, the fish turning spatula, the big metal one. I was just going to say, I bet a fish turner would be good for that. Okay. For those of you who don't know, a fish turner is a narrow kind of triangular shaped slotted spatula. And it's really useful for handling anything delicate, especially if you don't want a ton of oil to get transferred with it. And that's another reason why I wanted to use the all clad is because metal and cast iron, I mean, depending on how well seasoned it is, can sometimes be a little bit, you can Sticky. knock off some of your stuff. You got it. Anyway, so you need to let the donuts cool down so that you can top or do sides. The baked was basically kind of the same process of putting it all together, let it prove, shape it out, let it prove some more. But then I just baked it in the oven for, I think it was maybe 20 minutes or something. And I, I think I turned them over halfway through. And they put, in the oven, they puff up. because because like think about how like nancy's all of nancy's stuff puffed up in the microwave right because it was a lot of intense heat all at once Mm -hmm. and this was the same thing you know they grew until the yeast died but until the yeast died they were growing exponentially i got all these out you try to cool them and then i like a glaze on a donut Uh, Mm. i think that even if you're going to fill it or whatever I just prefer a glaze. And I had a request from Dale that he liked the lime curd, uh, Mm. the key lime eclairs so much that he wanted, you know, I was thinking about doing like a fruit filling for the filled one. And he's like, could it be more of the curd? (laughs) It's like, yeah, I mean, I could do that again, but I I need a twist on it. And so with the glaze, I actually used a lemon glaze, like a lemon citrus. So it's uh, lemon and lime. Yeah. So it was like a Sprite donut. So I made the lime curd, you know, you can refer to last week's episode to we can talk about curd then. But when I tried to put it in, it was very runny, you know, same problem I had last week. And so we had some heavy cream left over. So I whipped, popped that in the stand mixer, whipped it up into whipped cream and I mixed that in and that actually worked really well. It kind of had like a, yeah, and, and it's still, and I was able to kind of control the amount of curd and acidity. Nice. Because the whipped cream is pretty neutral. Right. And it, I imagine it's mostly aeration that's helping you to get that kind of lift. So that's that's pretty fun. That's a good trick. So I was glad I, I had that because I think I probably would have tried to soldier through without it. And it mm. would have been a weepy mess. Yeah, heavy. So you fill up your your syringe bag, whatever you're going to use. I used a, my, my trusty icing bag. And when you poke it in, if you're not like measuring the exact amount you put in there, you basically just are holding it in one hand and you kind of just fill you start to feel when it starts to get full and then a little bit will start to seep around the edge of your hole and that's when you can kind of know that it's full and you can pull out and move on to the next thing okay can we pause for a moment and just appreciate that last you know couple sentences there (laughs) we don't even have to go into it let's just recognize that that happened and move along and to to add on to that, you don't just want to try to poke a hole yourself, okay? You want to use a sharp implement to Ooh. poke your hole no, so no, that no, when, no. when you go for the full insertion, Ooh. you know that you can get in there without causing a mess. Oh, I've been watching, uh, not watching, I've been listening to my dad write a porno. And so, like, I'm already reading way too much into everything. <laughs> and language has become very painful for me. But, yeah. That was impressive. Way to go. No sharp implements, please. No, thank you. Right. And and so I filled those up and then you can, you know, kind of let those go. And when you're making this, these glazes, you're actually putting a lot of icing sugar or powdered sugar into a very little bit amount of liquid. So I think mm. it was maybe two tablespoons of lemon juice wow and like maybe 200 grams of sugar yeah that's quite it takes almost nothing otherwise you just end up with soup so it's really better like you can almost add it drop by drop yeah like to figure out the right consistency right and and you're gonna get there and and the reason is you want it to be liquid just long enough so that you can pour it over the donuts And then you're going to leave them for 10 or 15 minutes and it's going to dry on them. And that's what gives them that sugar crust. It's incredibly messy. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, put a, put something beneath your cooling rack or whatever, because it's going to make a mess. I was just thinking about the last time I didn't put something underneath my cooling rack to, yeah, it was a mess. Yes. Good advice. For the baked donuts, uh, they came out and they looked pretty good. And so I just did, I did the same sugar glazing on them, but instead of using lemon juice, I just used milk. So it was just the basic sugar. And 
my all-time favorite donut is just a, a classic chocolate glazed donut. And so I made a little bit of a, the chocolate top and mm. you basically just melt chocolate and then you dunk the donut on the top, turn it back over wow. and let it, let it dry. There you go. And that, I thought it was going to be messy. It wasn't. It was actually pretty easy to do. <laughs> it was just the glaze that wrecked everything. Yeah. I mean, the glaze makes a huge mess. In fact, if, have you ever been to a Krispy Kreme where they have the window? Yeah. You like that's kind of, the part where your eyes go to immediately because it's just like sugar effing everywhere, like rotating the donuts through it. Like they flip flip in the sugar and then get the assembly line. But I'm so glad that I've never worked in a place like that because cleaning up would be a disaster. Right. Well, and they've got to have some sort of metric to recover that stuff so they can reuse it. You know, mm. a home baker isn't going to have as much. I'm just imagining the slop bucket. Right. Here's the the sugar sludge from the day. I will say the yeasted raised donuts with the the whipped lime curd filling and the lemon glaze, they tasted really good. They had a very sharp flavor. They were airy. They were light. They, you know, kind of gushed when you bit into them, just like you want a filled donut to do. Mm. And and I had, I think, two or three of them, and I thought that the filling in them was pretty consistent. You know, nice. that, that uh, there weren't one, some that were kind of overfilled and then others that were under. The baked donuts. Uh-oh. The healthy option. And uh, we have opinions ooh, about healthy options. The tone says so much already. They tasted like a very sweet biscuit. Mm, it kind of had like that, that chewy, like, grand's croissant texture. All wrong. It's supposed to be light and airy, and instead it had sort it of It had, a, like, toothiness. A, yeah, a rubber. Where it should have been, like, light as air, it was... It wasn't bad Mm -hmm. but it isn't what you thought it was going to taste like and it wasn't what i wanted and it makes me wonder like what is a cake donut (laughs) right like if it's not that if it's not a baked yeasted donut what the hell is it and so food for thought i guess i could ask someone but or I, i i honestly didn't read that i was like i know that there's a recipe in this in this book about it, but I did, I honestly did not read that page and I've already taken it back to the library. That's another thing. <laughs> library plug. Right. Never <laughs> buy a single issue cookbook. Give it a shot first. Let's see. I just pulled up a cake donut recipe and it, this one has buttermilk in it and a significantly higher amount of flour. Okay. All right. And I, think, so... and I think that that may be what it is, is the flour content gives it a little bit more. So I just, I didn't care for it. I wanted to like it and I, and I had one. And Dale ate one and he's like, it's not terrible, but like... (laughs) High praise. Right. (laughs) And, you know, and this is, you know, one of the rare things that I take to work and like after a day, like only some of them have been eaten. I just toss the rest. Mm, You know, this is is the first thing that we've baked that someone hasn't finished. People didn't come back for number two. Yeah, and and I couldn't blame them. You know, a donut is a... It's a pretty high caloric thing to do, you know, and if it's not excellent, it's truly not worth the calories. And also, you know, like we're very experienced as Americans with donuts. We have an idea of what they're supposed to be like. And so if you bite into them and they're not what you're expecting, then there's no question. Uh, You just know you bite into it and think this one didn't turn out right. Right. And I mean, everybody, you know, that I know has an opinion about whether it's like, are you a Dunkin' Donut kind of person? Are you a Krispy Kreme person? I'm a bougie slash hipster local donut person. Right, I was like, are you a Sarah's Donut yep. or a Revolution Donuts if that's, you're in Atlanta? That's me. I am, I am that twat. I'm that twatty twatty person. So, and I'm not sorry. There's a Ross Donuts and there's another really good one that I went to in Montgomery. But they actually do have a, there aren't a lot of them. But they do have a couple of really good local donut places. You know, and, and to throw back to our hometown, I'm a My Lady Bakery kind of donut person. Yeah, yeah. Do, are they still not open on Sundays? They're absolutely not opening on Sundays. I don't even think they're open on Saturday. What? They're not open all weekend? I don't think so. That is so funny to me because I think about donuts as being like your weekend treat you know you wake up and stumble out and i don't know that's no sometimes my mother will like make a special trip on friday when dale and i will go down there to like get my lady donuts because otherwise they would be unavailable to us while we're down there so there are no 
fresh donuts on weekends. No. Which, you know, I mean, like, that takes some cojones. I mean, well, I I guess that takes some security because it's like, we'll still stay in business. We ain't doing that because I will say when I was growing up, that was kind of a fun thing that we did with my dad. And I realize now that it was totally so that my mom could get more sleep because he worked on weekdays and but on the weekends he would gather all of us up and we'd go you know about town looking for fresh donuts and sometimes we'd have to go to a couple of different like grocery store bakeries before we found them fresh and you know, then we'd take them home and get a couple for mom she wasn't a huge donut person and it took me this long to realize that it was not really about the donuts probably <laughs> it was about like let me take these four children away from your house so that you can sleep past six thirty in the morning oh yeah i mean i did learn some stuff i learned how to 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 shape these things i did learn how the process of making a donut i'd never made one before it so sounds like I, it's less intimidating now than it probably was it, before you started it isn't and and really filling them topping them glazing them I, it was interesting to learn how to do all of those things and those are potentially tools that i think that i could take to other things that I work on. I would make them again, probably not the baked ones, but I would I would keep experimenting with different donut flavors because I think that it's a it's a good base for a lot of different flavors you might want to do. But I don't know that I'd cook them to like take somewhere or actually I don't know that I'd cook them if I didn't have somewhere to take them. Yes. Because yeah, I get that. because they don't last at all and you, so you want to make sure that there's a, a crowd of people to to come and take them because you can't just make it for two people. No. No. Not without throwing three-fourths of them away. Right. And, and it's just, you know, I mean, none of the ingredients are that expensive, but that's just pretty wasteful. Yeah, and also just kind of wasteful of your time, in a way. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like it was an adventure. But yeah, so that is me on the donuts. So what about your bake? <laughs> so I was a goofball this week because I looked online at what the challenge was and decided to do the challenge. And then I was going to watch the episode after and the well, the description of the challenge that I found said that it was an enriched fruit loaf. And I thought, well, okay, checkity check. And I looked about and I found a couple of different recipes I wasn't sure if by enriched they meant that it necessarily had to be yeasted, but since it said advanced dough, I figured that it probably did. I ended up making two different recipes because one felt like cheating, and it turns out it was cheating, and that was a carrot orange loaf from Mary Berry's Baking Bible, and that was really delicious, but it was just a basic tea bread, I mean, and it had about a carrot and a half grated up into it for moisture and a lot of brown sugar. And it had orange zest in the dough and then a line of orange slices with the pith cut away on top. And it was pretty delicious. Um, Helen liked it. She has been trying to distribute it into her hair and every (laughs) crevice of her body whenever she eats it. But, you know, I felt good about that. Baby liked it. Uh, The one that I made that felt less cheaty is from Baking with Julia which is based on the show that Julia Child had on PBS, I believe in the 90s? Yeah, in the 90s. Dory Greenspan helped her to write it because she was very old by the time that she made it. The recipe that I found was cranberry walnut pumpkin loaves. I happened to have everything that I needed to make this, so I thought, well, you know, it's meant to be. For these loaves... The thing that I missed in the challenge is that it was meant to be freeform. And, uh, like, I did not get that until I watched the episode and then I could have kicked myself because I, you know, like, they were all baked in tins, everything I made. This made four miniature loaves, which there's no reason you couldn't just put it in one big pan. It's just how they had you do it for this recipe. There's no starter, which I appreciated because I have been experimenting with sourdough lately and it's been a royal pain in my ass and hasn't done very well but it does have an overnight rest in the refrigerator so i would have been kicked out up left and center up right left right and center there we go there's the phrase for this recipe but it was delicious it did turn out well so i'll walk you through what i did you start out by whisking about two two and a third two and two thirds cups of flour some cinnamon nutmeg and salt So your dry ingredients are all whisked together, ready to go, and you set them aside. Then in the 
bowl of the mixer, fitted with the paddle attachment. I beat the butter and sugar until it was creamy. And then I added a cup of pumpkin, that's eight ounces, and one large egg. And so that's blended well. Meanwhile, while that's blending, I went ahead and got the yeast started with, it's two teaspoons of yeast, with two tablespoons of tepid water. I just use hot tap water. Like, right. I don't do anything fancy to it. But the idea is that that helps jumpstart the yeast activity just a little bit before it gets introduced to its food, which is all the flour that you're about to put in there. With the mixer on low, the pumpkin and egg inside of it, I added the yeast mixture and then added the dry ingredients, scooping about half a cup at a time. And of course, uh, I was an idiot and thought, well, I'm just going to sneak it in around the side. Like, I don't have to stop and start and stop and start. And so I try to put in just a little bit of the flour mixture and it hits the top of the paddle somehow and like flings it all over me. So I'm, I'm wearing half my <laughs> bread by that point. And all my measurements are off after I'd spent, you know, carefully weighed them. Oh, well. When the dough started to come together with the dry ingredients in, I scraped the paddle clean and switched to the dough hook. So you use the paddle while it's still wet enough to be a batter, but as soon as it changes to a dough, you switch it over. And... The dough actually came together really well, but it was looking a little wet. So I kept adding flour. I was wearing a lot of it, so who knows. I probably ended up adding about a third to half a cup of flour. It's pretty humid here, so that might be part of why I went a bit over. At that point, and this is where my husband, who was in the other room, was like, Make it stop! It says to mix and knead the dough on medium-low for 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes, oh, excuse me, 10 minutes, because I only went for 10, is enough time to anger everyone in your home. Um, because yeah. it makes it sound like, whack it a whack it a whack it a wee for 10 minutes straight. But when it was done, I did have a soft, sticky dough. I added, and this is the part where he yelled at me because I was supposed to add the chopped nuts. I use pecans, even though the recipe calls for walnuts because pecans are what I had. Raisins and cranberries. And when I turned the mixer back on to mix them, he went, no! And so... <laughs> I forgot to mention that I was worried that my raisins were a little elderly. They were a little firm. Aren't and everybody's raisins elderly? Everybody <laughs> has a half open box of raisins it's somewhere true. in their cabinet. They're like calcified. I happened to have some pineapple juice on hand that I used for a marinade earlier this week. So I heated that up for about a minute in the microwave. And then I put my raisins and my craisins into that so that they could rehydrate a little bit while I was kneading the dough. Those were a little more plump than they would have been because they had been soaking up some of that hot liquid. So I put in these chopped pecans and these moist craisins and raisins and the dough of course which was a soft sticky dough goes like like because all of these moist ingredients are trying to work their way in and it takes a while and I give it some time and it helps but I did have to put a couple tablespoons more flour in there to compete against all the moisture that was coming off of the fruit. It said that it was going to make three small loaves and I ended up making four small loaves so I think probably a lot of extra flour ended up going in there but with bread you just kind of do you do it till it looks right i mean right you've got to eyeball the texture and all of that and if you can't work with what texture it is then that's when you add more flour exactly and that's part of why challenges on the show where they're like oh well the dough's supposed to be wet i think all my dough pretty much looks the same because i just keep adding flour until it looks the same so that would be hard for me i scraped this dough which now is studded with all of this fruit and all these nuts into a big tupperware bowl which is so smooth that I don't have to butter it on the inside, which is nice. I covered it, like put the lid on tightly and stuck it aside at room temperature until it doubled. And that took about two hours. So already, I mean, like that's the length of the challenge. I don't know how the hell these people did it. After that point, I opened the bowl back up folded it a couple of times to smash it down and get rid of those new air bubbles, covered it again, and stuck it in the fridge overnight. When I woke up in the morning, it was time to go again. I turned on the oven light. I didn't turn it on. I just put on the light because that actually does create some heat from the bowl and popped the Tupperware bowl with the dough in it straight into the oven to prove because it's a little, it's maybe like 68 degrees in my house and mm -hmm. it needs more time than that. God. 
The red is <laughs> so cold. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel it. It's nice. You would not think so. You do no. not think so. You've experienced it. And the recipe does say at least six hours before you want to begin baking to remove the dough from the refrigerator. So I could have left it in longer, I assume. This is helpful. It gave the instruction to leave it covered in the bowl until it reached 64 degrees on an instant read thermometer. And I mentioned earlier that I love a thermometer when it tells me when to do what. I checked a couple of times and by the time I checked it, finally, it was at 67. I got out my little mini loaf pans and I sprayed them down with Baker's Joy, the pan that has a little bit of flour in it. And on my countertop, I divided the dough into quarters. I should have weighed it because one of them was dramatically larger than the others. (laughs) (laughs) It was like an inch and a half taller. And I made each dough into a little rectangle and then rolled it tightly from short end to short end. And you put it seam side, I, I put it seam side down in the little pan and then covered all of them with a piece of saran wrap. And at that point, I preheated the oven to 350. I let them rise much longer than I thought it would take. It was closer to two hours. than, And when I do a loaf of bread, it's usually more like 45 minutes. So it, it took a long time for it to rise because if you think about it, this is the third proof. Right. And and there's a lot of stuff in there that's exactly. getting in the way of the yeast. Yep. And so it, it was taking quite a while. And finally, when those were about an inch above the top of the pan, or one of them was two and a half inches above the top of the pan, I put them on the center rack in the oven for 35 minutes. And it's funny because Martha makes the comment in the episode that enriched bread always looks looks done. And sure enough, when I took it out to check for doneness, I know that the typical done temperature of bread is 205 to 210. And I thought, those have got to be done. They look perfect. And I checked the temperature and they were still only at 195. Hmm. I popped them back in for another five minutes. They did not burn, but they were very nicely browned, even when they were 10 degrees short of where they needed to be. So interesting. It was telling. Do you think it's, what is it, the... The it's sugar the protein. content in the breads or, mm-hmm. the, or the protein. Yep. Okay. All those proteins help with browning. And so I, I had to look this up a while back when I burned the shit out of some <laughs> cinnamon bread that I made. My One of my many failures on this podcast. It turned out fantastic. I mean, you know how they cut a slice and then they poke at the dough to look for sort of like variations in color and dryness and texture. It was uniform. It was light and springy. Very well done. You would not have been able to tell that it had pumpkin in it necessarily, except for it had this nice fullness of flavor. The toasting on the nuts gives a lot of flavor too. I worried that it would be too many craisins and too many raisins, but not at all. And so, yeah, it was a great Great experience. Enriched fruit bread. I had two slices of it toasted with butter and it did not need jam because the bread itself had so much flavor. Uh, it was a really good experience, but I would have been kicked off the show because I did not follow instructions. Well, and I think that when you're adding the craisins and raisins, I guess it's important to remember that the dough is going to get so much bigger. Mm, so mm-hmm. even if it looks chock full when you're first putting them in there, it's going to actually expand well around them. The part that's missing is the air. When you're looking at the dough. Right. Right. So there was going to be all that air fluffed up around it. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But it did look like a ball of raisins held together with bread. Like, and what kind of pumpkin did you use? It was just canned. Just Okay, um, just canned pumpkin. Yeah. It had instructions for like, if you want to start from scratch. And I was like, oh, honey, I do not. I do not want to do that at all. Like, why don't you add another hour and a half of baking time and carve a pumpkin to your bread? No, thank you. I'm checkity check. I'm good. I would I would totally make this again, except my husband can't eat it because he's allergic to everything, and <laughs> he can't do nuts. So, but that's this sounds, out. especially these mini loaves you're talking about, these sound like they would be like cute little things to give as a gift you, or like send with a note or something like that. You're speaking my language because I fully plan to give one to a friend, one to Miss Betty across the street. She's eighty something, and she's really sweet. And I have one other I don't know what to do with, but. I have them already in really unseasonal, seasonally inappropriate bags that I happen to have, and they're all ready to distribute. Three out of four, anyway. The, I got let myself have one. <laughs> to myself. Helen might get some, too. I was like, I mean, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you find it to be a very different process from most of the bread you make, or was it pretty much in line with that, just with a different kind of starter? It was very much in line with that, and it was a lot 
easier than the sourdough I'd been fighting with. Because that, I mean, I think you have to do a total... The recipe I've been trying to do with, with sourdough that hasn't been going well. Um, <laughs> updates on that later. Hopefully that'll turn around. I think I had to do the kneading and then I had to do five folds and then you do an overnight prove and then you shape and then you cut. And so compared to that, this felt like a breeze. It was just the overnight proof, but I like the overnight proof because it gives you some flavor, but it means that I can start the recipe after my baby goes to bed and then I can do actually the baking when she's down for her first nap of the day. I mean, that sounds really great. I mean, do you think that this bread, had you known that it wasn't supposed to be in a tin, do you think that you could have used this recipe and just shaped it and tried to bake it straight out like that? You know, I think so. And I have a new, um, a Benetton, which I'm eager to play with. And I think if I were to do it again, I would try it with that. A Benetton or a brat form is a little cane basket that's traditional for letting bread raise in. And mine has like a little fabric liner that you impregnate with flour so that it doesn't stick. It rises in this little basket and it gets those cute little ridges that you see on artisan bread sometimes. Okay. And so I, uh... I might try something like that with my my next go around. That sounds like a good time. Cool. So is there anything else you want to say about it? It was a good time. Highly recommend it. Go, Julia. Honestly, having looked at everything, I think that this was a solid week for things for amateur bakers to make. They are all, you know, a little bit beyond where you might think of something to bake. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that all three, even the technical, were things that I kind of would want to eat and that I kind of want to serve to other people. I agree. They use basic skills to do something that's more elevated. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you like the show, tell a friend or give us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. You can also reach out to ask questions and let us know what you think of the show at theginghamaltershow at gmail.com. You can also find out more about the show and see pictures of our attempted bakes on Instagram at theginghamaltershow. Our theme music is Cheery Monday by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. All these details and more can be found in the show notes each week. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Megan. And this is Mac. Wishing you a lovely bake. <laughs>